Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey there, leaders. I've got something special for you today. This week on the podcast, I have Dr. Mike Nagler joining me. We had a really great conversation recently, and I'm super excited to share it with you. Now, you might wonder who Dr. Nagler is. I'll be happy to share with you that Dr. Nagler is the superintendent of schools at Mineola Public Schools, which is on Long Island in New York. Dr. Nagler has been the superintendent there for a number of years and has prided himself on always being forward-thinking. The work that they've done in Mineola collectively under his leadership has put them at the forefront across the United States in terms of how they are being innovative and staying ahead of the curve. Dr. Nagler is the author of a new book titled The Design Thinking Entrepreneurial Visionary Planning Leader, A Practical Guide for Thriving in Ambiguity. Folks, I'm going to tell you it's an exceptional read and absolutely worth your time to invest in that particular book. This conversation will give you a little bit of a peek into how Dr. Nagler leads and how he thinks as an executive leader in his organization. Before we go to that, just a quick reminder that this is the time, leaders, for us to be thinking about how we want to welcome our staff back this coming fall. One of the things that I would challenge you to think about is bringing a message of positivity, of hope, and of inspiration. Our educators need to hear this fall that the work they do truly matters, and not just for the impact they make, but for how valued they are by everybody inside the organization, specifically from the leadership level. Let's have a conversation and talk about bringing the Road to Awesome message to your staff this fall. The Road to Awesome message is very simple. It's three key elements. Number one, we focus on what we can control, and we learn to let go of the things that we can't control. Number two, we rise by lifting others. Our work needs to be about lifting each other up, adult to adult, adult to student, student to student. And then finally, number three, we change the world one conversation at a time. And we need to remember all three of those tenets of the road to awesome and really ensure that we are setting ourselves up for an incredible school year filled with great student outcomes, great memories, and powerful, positive results. I look forward to talking with you. All the information you need is in the show notes, but let's jump into this conversation with Dr. Nagler. I know you're going to enjoy it. I know I certainly did. I'll see you on the other side. All right, Mike, thanks so much for joining me on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I've uh, been looking forward to this conversation with you and uh, just really, really pumped up to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super pumped also. Yeah, awesome. So, Mike, just real quick for the uh, for my listeners who don't uh, or maybe aren't aware of of who you are or, or, or what you do, that kind of thing, maybe just a, a quick you know, elevator pitch of who Dr. Michael Nagler is. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a New York City kid, born and raised, a product of the New York City public schools, and started as a teacher in the city. Uh, I made a lateral move to Mineola Public Schools, which is a suburb of New York City, in 1999. 
and I've been here ever since. I had a couple of roles as AP, I was principal of the high school, I was deputy superintendent, and I'm about to start my 14th year as superintendent uh, of this great community. So um, 35th, well, 30, I'm just finishing my 35th year in public ed. So um, I've pretty much seen everything. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that that was something that um, I think I knew we had in common, but I maybe, I don't know, I just want to hit it just for a second, um, being a high school principal. Um, just 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 yesterday, um, I, I saw a post from another high school principal uh, here in the United States, and it was just simply a photo of hers, Amy Fast. If uh, Folks, if you don't follow Amy Fast, you need to. Um, but Amy had shared just just a photo of her kind of sitting in the the silence you know graduation is set up and but there's nobody in the room and anyway she talked about a student coming in and just sitting down with her and having a conversation um just really quick on the high school principal piece and my uh, favorite job my favorite yeah. job i probably left it too early i, I did four years i had a special situation because i was the the middle school ap and i followed my kids so we I, I followed them year to year, and when they graduated, I kind of graduated in 2005, very special uh, group of kids who, who many have remarried, uh, remarried, married, moved back <laughs> into um, Mineola, and now their kids are in the school system. So I think they have about 20 little guys from that class of 2005. So it's a special place in my heart. Um, uh, but you know, when you when you leave for central office, you you lose that community base that you've always had as a principal, and it's it's a tough transition sometimes because you know we do this for kids, and you're there every day, and you're seeing what's going on, and, and central you kind of get removed from it. So I, I make a conscious uh, effort to really be in the schools and learn kids' names, and ha they all my uh, kind of everybody knows who I am in Mineola. And, and I like it that way. I like to like to be very visible. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting that you say high school principal, your favorite job. I, I would say the same thing for me, too. Um, I mean, heck, I describe myself as a recovering high school principal. Um, yeah. You know, you just I can't I can't get it out of my system. Um, but uh, and, and you're spot on, too. I mean, you know, moving to the district level you don't necessarily get that same connection that you do with kids. Although, um, and, and folks aren't, aren't seeing the video feed of this, you're sitting in your new office, which yep. is in the facility that will be your, the new high school space, this space that you guys have created. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm super excited about it. We're, we're launching a new version of high school in September called Synergy. And it, um, it's trying to redefine what the future of high school is going to be. So we removed all the periods. We put all the subjects in the cloud. We're really honing in on SEL and executive functioning of kids. And the big push is to make uh, self-directed learners. So kind of like college, if you think about it. You, you know, I've been toying with my new TED, the new idea for a TED talk of uh, high school. Should high school high school be more like college? Fewer courses, high interest topics. Uh, you own your own time, you own your own studying, you know, things like homework go out the window, but all, all your time is spent, you have to do the things you need to do, and then you equally do the things you want to do. Uh, 
So we're working hard to, uh, to really focus in on kids' passions, help them pursue their passions, give them mentors to do that in a very small setting. So we literally, we, we, um, the community uh, supported purchasing a bank across the street from our high school. And we're going to put a link, a bridge across the street to link the two buildings. And I just moved in a couple of weeks ago. So I'm even closer to children, which is my preference for sure. Yeah, I think that's going to be a real bonus for you. I think when we when we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, you're you're a floor above them. So so you're yeah, going to yeah. have the opportunity to see your high school kids all the time. Um, I think you're hitting on something that that is really near and dear to my heart. Um, actually, just did Ryan Scott's podcast last week, and he and I had a really deep conversation. In fact, I don't think we intended to, but it ended up being a real deep conversation around relevance. And when we when we're able to hit kids' passions, you know, all of a sudden learning becomes relevant for them. Um, what with with the staff, the the mentors, the the team that you're going to have as part of Synergy, what what conversations around things like relevance and passion and that kind of stuff have you had with them to make sure that they mentally are prepared for making this move? Yeah, so we've been building it for a year, and we have a group of kids that used to be uh, in all in our alternative high school. That's what we called it, which is kind of ridiculous because uh, cognitively there's nothing wrong with the children there. They just had no connection to the structure that we currently have. So, you know, uh, relevance is, is, it's all about relevance. It's how do we connect with kids that they, they, they love to learn, but we berate them with things they don't want to do. And the time doesn't work for them, and the uh, the structure doesn't work. Really, I think it's about the structure of high school. If you hone in on like what what's the problem, it's how we put learning in forty minute blocks, and we have to take all these subjects, whether you like it or not. And it really gets to uh, um, compliance. It's a game of compliance for kids, as opposed to I love to learn. This is what I want to learn. And the impetus for the school is really my own son who's a sophomore, uh, a pretty bright kid who is a self-learner. He's a computer science whiz. He just won a major a, an international award at, at uh, LICEF a few weeks ago. Um, and he doesn't like school. He hates school because they make him do all these things he really doesn't want to do. And he goes on YouTube and finds videos and, and he wants to be, he, you know, he's got an electrical engineer shop in his room and that's what he does. I don't think he ever leaves his room because he's constantly inventing something. So how does a kid like that hate school? It, it, it yeah. boggles my mind. And I think that's the, the relevance piece and the connection. You know, what's, your, what's your connection to your school? And it's changed over the years. Um, uh, and I think com it's a game of compliance that we need to stop playing and, and figure that out. So um, I'm, I'm jazzed, if you can't tell, but from, from what I'm saying, jazzed oh, yeah. launching this thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's just, it, it's such a great, great concept. And I think it comes at a really crucial time. Uh, we need to be innovative in education. I mean, we, We've been responsive for so long. And then, of course, you know, we, we go through this pandemic and in so many ways it forced us to change. But for a lot of folks, once 
schools return to in-person learning, it's like they went back to their factory, you know, yeah, default yeah, yeah, mode, yeah. you know, and they're not, I mean, heck, we, we like went backwards. Um, yeah, but, I mean, there's, a, there's so many great things. There's a silver lining to the pandemic. There were great things that were done. Why aren't we, uh, yeah, asynchronous learning is, is the, the, the best piece of it. You know, we, we've already built a competency-based program and New York is not big on competency-based stuff because we have a lot of uh, state requirements, but we're gonna we're gonna roll it out. So if you want to finish a year's course in six months, and then pursue something you want, we're gonna help you do that. And uh, and really, it's on you. How do you want to tackle your requirements to get to the stuff you want to do? Um, and we've had great success in the in the younger grades, which is is uh, a little bit of the irony here. You know, we we got rid of uh, report cards pre K three, and and have badge books. And badges are discrete discrete uh, items of knowledge that kids have to meet the criteria to earn, and it's it's basically competency based ed. You, you know, yeah. you don't you don't earn the badge if you don't do it. And children know what they're working on. It's no mystery. They know what they they know and can do, and they know what they don't know. And you you talk to little five year olds and say, "What are you working on?" They'll tell you. They'll tell you the badge they're working on. And when they um, we taught them brain science, so we taught them about their neurons and making connections with your neurons. So when they don't understand something, they get a neuron sticker. And they and they speak that language. I'm firing up my neurons because I didn't I didn't learn this yet. So it, it's uh, and it it, it 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 blows visitors' minds when they come and talk to five year olds, and that's the conversation you have across the across the board. All of my kids, uh, you know, um, speak that language. So now, how do you take that concept and roll it into a high school? It's basically the same thing. Well, especially when you have kids who have been a part of Mineola and have experienced that and have been learning yeah. in that manner, it probably is an easier, uh, well, not probably, it's an easier transition for the kids than it is for the adults who you know, had, to, had to let go of an old system. So, so it, here's where, here's where we're going to go with this. Um, let's, let's take a jump back in time to... You know, you, you, you're moving from deputy superintendent to superintendent and your board, and, and, and this is coming from the book. We'll talk about the book a little bit more in a, in a couple of minutes, but yeah. um, you, you're charged essentially with, hey, we may need to shutter some schools. We're worried about enrollment. Welcome to the superintendent seat, Dr. Nagler. Um, but I think unlike a lot of folks, the way you face this and, and really laid out a long-term plan not just for you, but for your whole team is, again, it's the impetus of the book, but um, it's a really powerful story. Take, take us back to that moment and I guess move, move forward as yeah. much as you want. Yeah. Well, I try to forget that moment actually, but it, <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I was deputy and my predecessor who was who my mentor, uh, you know, it got very ugly in his exit and uh, there were lawsuits filed. There were accusations made there was a split board, a lot of contention, the failed budgets, a lot of contention around the inequity of the, the small elementaries we had. 
compared to one of the larger elementaries where they were located in town so all of this uh all of these items were swirling and oh and by the way we're going to promote you and your first job is to close two schools and i think the way the way i tackled that and, and by the way i'm still here so that that was oh, yeah. 14 years ago so yeah it's kind of yeah, uh, so, so listen up folks this is a yeah. success story yeah uh, so the the commitment i made uh, we made to the community the board and i was look any savings we have we're going to re reinvest back into the system and uh, uh capital our buildings were uh, no one did anything in the buildings for 50 years it was, it was really deplorable in some cases and we changed the structure. You know, uh, closing schools, unfortunately, was, uh, was something Mineola did in the 80s, only to reopen the school. And they built a new school with no change in enrollment. So it, it, there wasn't a lot of planning involved previously. So we, we came to the conclusion that kind of everybody had to feel the pain. You can't close one school and say tough luck to that neighborhood school and keep everybody else's open. So we went to this hybrid Princeton plan where we have uh, two pre-K to two buildings, a three, four building. Our middle school is five, six, seven, and our high school is eight, 12. And simultaneously, when we changed that, we started building additions on the smaller buildings to make them more viable should we ever want to um, go back or change the configuration. So we haven't changed the configuration in 10 years, but we've also done about $60, $70 million worth of work without a bond because all that savings, all that money in the savings went back into facilities. And we, we continually uh, millions of dollars put back into our budget. And I was very fortunate in the middle of all this, um, I had this idea when the iPad first came out to, to roll out a program. And the board was very supportive. And I said, hey, look, if we're going to change everything, we might as well look at the way we teach and learn as well and change everything. So we, we've been, all five of my schools are Apple Distinguished Schools, we, we, which is very uh, rare. Maybe you get one in a state, let alone five in a district. And we've, we've embarked on this uh, technology path. You know, the pandemic hit, really didn't phase us. We flicked the switch. We started, you know, WebEx, and we were up and running in a day. And, and my teachers were so well-versed in every all the – the LMS and all the exchange between kids and my kids knew how to do it. So it really, it really was, was a terrible time, but in terms of, you know, a, a loss in, in learning, I, I don't think we really had it. Uh, and now we continue to kind of, you know, it's funny about leadership. Um, there have to be the leaders that, that push the envelope and, and cheerlead everybody else to follow. And by, kind of by happenstance i've kind of become that in my county so i'll be the first to try something people will want to come see it we we're happy to show off share everything everything we do is open educational resource you go on my website you'll find my badge book you'll find my integrated curriculum you make a send me an email i'll i'll send you whatever you want um and that uh, esprit de corps i think really 
um, raises all raises all the you know, rising tide raises all the ships. That's how we have to move forward, and uh, you know we need those leaders to do that. So I'm on the tail end. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, you know, I, I think um, there's there's just so much to unpack right there, um, and, and and so many great things um, as as we go through and and I guess let's let's maybe stay not necessarily with the iPad specifically but with some of the additional technology pieces and maybe the underpinnings to there I mean it's one thing to to purchase technology districts across the country buy technology all the time yeah, yeah. but the underpinnings for your staff to have the knowledge to be able to actually integrate that how have you been able to really support across your district, across all five of your buildings, an effort for all of your teachers to to have the knowledge necessary as this has progressed forward? Yeah, I think the the secret sauce to that is is creating a common language. You know, that that everyone is when you speak about something, we're all understanding it the same way. The technology is a great example because what what does that mean, technology? There's there's instructional technology, assessment technology, organizational technology, communication technology, and and every one of those has different hardware and software related to it and different PD associated with it. So you have to build the management side first and you have to get people involved in, okay, how do I send something to a student and get it back? How do I grade something? How do I give feedback? What's my uh, learning management system? Then it's, well, what's my digital curriculum? Who built it? Is it store-bought? Am I going to give my teachers autonomy and how they roll that out? Am, is it tagged to standards? Can I collect data on the back end that's meaningful? You know, we learned all of those lessons the hard way. Uh, you, know, the, you know, the joke about being yeah. on the bleeding edge and the cutting edge, it's a fine line. And um, But but the the mindset and culture of Mineola is it's okay to fail. So we're going to roll this out. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, we'll, we'll either change it or we'll do something else. And that's kind of the, the, it's really the, the, the backbone of the book, you know, the dev cycle, DEV cycle is design thinking, entrepreneurship, visionary planning. Uh, but it's really around design thinking, this, this notion that you start an initiative, you give it to the folks doing it, and you build on it. You get feedback. You jump the hurdles. You you iterate. You make it better. You revisit it. Constantly cycle through. And what doesn't work, you get rid of. And what you need to uh, make better, you do that. And we're in the process this summer because um, we're we're still in school for another week and a half. Uh, but my admin team this summer, that's what they're going to dive into. I, I really want them to show how we've made learning visible over the years and that how our initiatives that started five years have changed and morphed and, and grown into completely new things that are scale. I use the word scale a lot also. It's like, it's not one teacher doing it. It's every teacher doing it. Yeah. And that buy-in is because, you know, I respect my teachers. I, I, I think they're well-educated um, they're professionals. I want them to be part of all of our decision making and they're doing the work. So we, we have to respect that 
and give them the ability to change things and put their own flair on things. So it's the old Rick DeFore stuff. What are you loose about and what are you tight about? Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm tight about covering the standards, but I'm kind of loose on how you do it. And I have the technology that lets me know if you're doing it or not. So have at it. And, and uh, you know, that's what the profession is supposed to be. And, and we have, so, uh, you know, to, get, yeah. to, to scale it, you know, we do tons of professional development. We have professional learning communities. I have lead teachers that run those PLCs. I have new teacher workshops, cohort. All my new teachers are in cohorts for four years. They do research-based stuff in their own classrooms. So we, we do a ton of infrastructure to support what we're asking teachers to do. I think that's outstanding. I, I want to jump back to your leaders. So you, you talk about your leadership team is getting ready to do this work this this summer. And in the book, you have actually quite a few excerpts that are written from members of your yeah. leadership team from, from their perspective of, of what was happening. I think this is something that across the board – you know, we, we'd probably see all in you know both ends of the spectrum and everything in between with um, with leaders who will be very intentional around their leadership team and, and exactly how everybody has that ownership and everybody can speak the language, what you're talking about. And then folks who could be at the other end of the spectrum where you know what your job is, let's get to it. What's maybe one piece of advice you would have for for leaders who are struggling a little bit with getting that synergy to exist with with their leadership team? I think it's two things. You, you, you have to delegate. You can't do everything. So you have to you have to have the you know the column stuff. You have the right people on the bus and you trust them to do their job, then then that's what they have to do. Uh, and but you have to be clear about the expectation. So we have this global vision of what we want to accomplish and you have autonomy on how you deliver it. But everyone has to know what the vision is. You know, my team jokes, they, they're like, I come into a meeting and they say, it's like you take a handful of confetti, you throw it up, uh, these are all the big ideas and then you leave. And we're all, we're all scrambling around trying to catch the confetti and figure out who's <laughs> doing it. I said, yeah, I like that. I like that image. That's a great image because yeah. – um, and, and they do it. You know, I, I joke, I'm the idea man. I come in, I got these big ideas, and, and, and um, I want them to implement them. But I don't want them to implement them because it's my idea. I want them to either tell me it's something we're going to internalize and it's going to work, or it's a bad idea and we're not going to do it. And I have a lot of crazy stuff, you know. <laughs> my head's flying in uh, 2050. So it's... Uh, but I think people respect when you when you respect your administrators to do the work, but and just be able to explain how it fits into the vision. That that goes a long way. You know, my elementary principals are not doing what my high school person is doing because it's a different job. But we're all working towards this self-directed learner and this notion of making learning visible. How do you do that? So those, if those are the big ideas, go do it. And I also, I also think it's very important that you. We have this structure in that in the district where we will identify the goal. The board and I will identify the goals for the year, 
and then all of the implementators present at board meetings. So every board meeting, we have a presentation from either teachers, principals, admin, curriculum directors that are working on the goals. And it's a constant dialogue and it's out in front. This is how we do our work. What do you think? And that, and that goes back and forth a lot. And I think that's very valuable in, in the communication piece to the community about what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is, is really the definition of transparency. You know, we're, yeah. we're very clear. We know what the goals are, but you know, let's, let's make sure we're communicating, you know, every month at the board, you know, that that's not, that's not just for your, for your board's benefit. That's anybody who's listening, anybody who's paying attention. You know, if you want to know what's happening in Mineola, just listen, we're going to tell you, we're not hiding anything. We're not, you know, we're not doing anything on the down low. We're here's who we are. This is what we're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, we live stream it, record it. There's a there's a whole library. I mean, I mean, everything is there. Um, and it's and it's work that challenges the status quo. So, um, you know, the other theme of the book I talk about is ENR thinking. You know, it's an evolution, not a revolution. So how do you plan things slowly over time and get the buy-in so it's successful? I think, you know, I've lived through many, many educational reforms, and by and large, they're all failures because they call for a revolution of the system. And, and schools can't handle revolution. Very, very few do. So it's how you evolve over time purposefully not not accidental evolution but it's that that's really the secret sauce in how you you in, uh, effect effectuate change and i i uh, one of my favorite you know quotes who, which i'm tell, told by scientists is not accurate if you if you put a frog in boiling water they jump out if you put them in tepid water and bring it to a boil you'll cook them you know slow change over time works so how do you plan that to get where you want to go. And that's kind of where the visionary planning comes. You, 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 I'm thinking five years ahead. This is where the badge book's a great example. You know, I rolled, I started in pre-K and I rolled it. I followed those kids every year. Those children are now going into fourth grade next year. And guess what? We have badge books pre-K to four. And those parents know it and the kids and, and the teachers came on and that has been slow and purposeful and now I jump to synergy, so I'm kind of squeezing my middle. I'm, I'm the the middle school's coming next from both ends. It's how are you preparing kids for synergy, and how are you dealing with the fourth graders that are coming? So, it um, that's not an accident. That's how I envisioned getting to the whole district. So, I, I want to ask one question really quick again on 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 the high school, on Synergy. And then I, I, I want to talk about the book. I mean, we've been talking about the book, but I want to get intentionally into the book. So with your high school being an 8-12 structure, is there like a graduating process for an 8th grader through 12th grader in the Synergy building? Is it, no, you can, you have to be a 10th grader? I mean, how is that structured? And and how are people wrapping their brains around? <laughs> it's it's you know, a good one. I mean, uh, yeah. Next year, when we launch, it will be uh, invitation only. So we we tend not to take eighth graders. We'll 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 start with ninth graders. 
September 2023, we plan to whoever wants it can have it. So if you have an interest to, to pursue high school in the framework we have at Synergy, you're more than welcome to do it. And I think that's really going to be the our work this year is to to really get a some good talking about points about what the what synergy is and what it isn't. A lot of people hear it and think Votech. It's not a Votech school. It's a it's a it's a different structure of high school that's that's works for some kids and won't work for many others. So they'll have a choice. Uh, and it wouldn't be eighth grade. It, it would start with ninth grade. Um, and I have a feeling that I'm going to have more kids than I can handle. That's my initial gut, and we'll 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 see how that plays out. Yeah, I think again, you know, coming out of the pandemic, where our kids learned from home, and, and in many cases didn't learn from home, but but nonetheless, you know, we're working uh, and living school from home. I think there's probably going to be a lot of kids who. Or like, you know, hey, I actually did really well in that format. And I think this is something I'd like to see. I, I think I've got like 800 more questions on <laughs> on Synergy. And probably, I'm sure I'm sure that the folks that are listening do as well. Folks, I'll just tell you this. I All of Dr. Nagler's uh, contact info is in the show notes. Hit him up with your questions. Uh, you know, I'm sure he would be happy to answer any and all of, of those questions. But will, for the yeah, sake, absolutely. yeah, for the sake of time and for the sake of the the length of the podcast, I, I do want to get to um, the book. It's been out for um, let's see, since about I want to say maybe six six or seven weeks. It's been out since uh, mid April, and uh, so the book is the design thinking entrepreneurial. Visionary Planning Leader, A Practical Guide to Thriving in Ambiguity, or The Dev Leader, as we as we have affectionately termed it. I think we just stole that phrase from you. Um, what, what drove you to want to write this book? Well, I, I think we're approaching this crossroad in public education. Uh, the pandemic really accelerated it to the way we do things really don't work for everybody. So how do we start thinking differently about how we do school? And in order to do that, I think you have to be a little bit of Notre Dame is to try to forecast what's coming and then how do we react to it? My, my favorite example is the iPad. You know, in 2010, if you were in kindergarten in 2010 and you went 12 years through school, the iPad was introduced in 2010 and technology, the acceleration of technology was like a J curve. It just grew at a pace that was astronomical. So much so that people using your mobile phone was more prevalent than your desktop at work. So it, it, information is ubiquitous. And how did schools react? And it's basically crickets. Schools didn't react. So that kid now is entering the workforce or a college or entering society that is so technology driven with no or very little education about how to use it. 
And to me, that's a failure of the school systems. You're not, if, if, if you can make an argument about what the purpose of public education is, you know, is it an informed citizenry or is it preparing kids for the workforce? You know, it's probably a balance there uh, and that shifts. So now we're, we're in this fourth industrial revolution which are, which we're dealing the uh, data is is the is the king you know how you manipulate data and you think about how amazon does and and facebook and you know netflix they 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 analyze everything you do and project what you're going to buy and do we are we dealing with that in school and and educating kids around that and i would argue no even in Mineola, where we're, we're, we're conscious of it, we're not really, uh, to the extent that technology, the speed in which te technology moves, we're not moving as fast. So that was the impetus. Like, I'm, I, you know, what runs through my head is like, all right, school's the same as it was when I went to school. Why, what do we need to do to fix that? Uh, and, and then the whole notion of college, is, is college really necessary? Now, I argue with my wife all the time that my son's probably not going to finish college. He's a he's a tech geek. He, he's a computer science whiz. He, he's engineering. I mean, I think he's going to go to school for a year and a company's going to see him and offer him a bunch of money to train him how to do things. And he's going to say, I'll take the money and break his yeah. mother's heart. You know, that's, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a whole other story. Uh, so what do we do to prepare kids for that? And, and you know, the other, the other piece that's a reality with AI and uh, how tech is starting to take over certain professions, you don't really need a four-year degree in, in a lot of things. You want to you wanna earn a, a living better than living wage. There's tons of certificates that you can earn that make you very viable right out of high school that we don't really explore. You know, we call them strands, but it's like, can we get some college credits in junior and senior year and get them a certificate? So when they leave, if they don't want to go to school, they can, they can make 40, 50 bucks an hour as opposed to 15. Well, right. I mean, it's essentially, it's, it's the adult badge program. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, School has to be conscious of all these things. And I think it's really, we've had great success in the district. Um, so I have some theories that we start, the, the first few chapters on my theory about leadership and, and uh, what type of leader you are. And then the second half is really all practice. It's everything I talked about, we did. And you mentioned I have 17 different essays by, by uh, people associated with the work. And my uh, my lead into that was don't take my word for it. Here are other people, there's 17 other people telling you what uh, we've done because it's here. If you want to see it, you find evidence of it. Anything that's mentioned in the book, you find evidence of. But we, we really hone in on assessment, integrated curriculum, uh, computer science, flexible learning spaces, and growth mindset. Those are our big themes, or our educational model in the district. And the book really expands on, on those concepts. It's uh, it's an absolutely phenomenal book, folks. If you haven't grabbed your copy yet, make sure you do. Um, I've got uh, a link 
in the show notes where you can go and grab your copy of the Dev Leader. Um, so, so Mike, final question. It's the same final question I ask everybody on leaning into leadership. Aside from the things you've already talked about, how right now are you really leaning into leadership? I, I think I lean in from the perspective of by by happenstance or purpose. I, I'm not quite sure, but somebody's got to lead the charge to do things differently. And I believe my role is to to really push that envelope. And over the years, and, and you know, you could trace. Uh, four or five different initiatives that we began in Mineola that our neighboring districts currently use. Um, and, and, you know, if uh, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery, um, I should be very flattered because it's, it all, there's a, a ton of things all over. And, and I take great pride in that. I think that leaders have to see past their role in their building or their district. There has to scale to uh, bigger things. We're all in public education. How do, how do, you know, I can't give you money to help your district if it doesn't have it, but I can give you our knowledge. I can give you our initiatives for free. It's, why don't, why don't we all do that? Why don't we share the things that we do and, and help everyone in public education. Um, you know, I, 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 I make a lot of videos. I make a lot of educational videos. And one of the videos that involves a chainsaw, I'll leave it at that, um, has over a million views. I think it has 1.2 million views. And I get texts constantly, hey, my kid was in class today and they saw you on the screen because the teacher showed your video. So the 1.2 is probably much more than that because children, 30 kids in a class have, have seen that multiple times. But it's this concept I had and we had the resources to make this video and I, I really did it for fun. There was no, no reason to do it other than my own enjoyment. And look at that teaching. Look at that one teachable moment of a lesson I did 35 years ago. It works. People get it. That's leadership. How do you take things from your little silo and make it broad? You know, we tr we trace there. There are like four people in Bhutan that have watched that video. So, you know, you, you think about how technology gets your message out and and how you can lend your resources to everyone. Those. That's just one little example. Um, and we do it district wide. Um, I, we, we probably have, uh, our YouTube channels called, uh, MC squared, Mineola creative content. It, it, we probably have 400 videos on there and, and people use them all over the, the latest hot one is figurative language that student teachers made two student teachers. I had two years ago made the video and, and it's a hot ticket right now. I think that's awesome. Um, it, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it is incredible how when when you're producing content that you don't you don't know where it's going to go when we're putting it, you know, putting it out there and putting it on the on the Internet. 
Um, I'll make sure, folks, the uh, the chainsaw video will be linked in the show notes, so you have a chance to watch that if you'd like. And you know, just an interesting aside. You know, you mentioned uh, you know um, a country where four people have have uh, viewed your video. Interestingly, I uh, saw this week um, in our analytics that the Leaning Into Leadership podcast is a top 100 podcast in Bahrain. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I don't know why, but hey, shout out to our friends in Bahrain who are listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. We appreciate you. So um, again, folks, uh, if you haven't gotten a copy of the book, uh, all the links are in the in the show notes for you. Mike, thank you so much for coming and spending some time on the Leaning Into oh, Leadership podcast. Yeah, this was such an awesome conversation, man. I appreciate you and uh, look forward to continuing to visit with you um, in the future. So thanks again. Thank you. I hope that lived up to the billing that I gave it at the beginning of this episode. Truly something special that conversation was. I appreciate Dr. Nagler, um, not only for the conversation, but also for just being who he is and being that person who really challenges the status quo and is out there, out on the front edge of leadership. Um, We can all learn a lot from Dr. Nagler. If you haven't picked up your copy yet again, I'll mention it one more time. The book is titled The Design Thinking Entrepreneurial Visionary Planning Leader. A Practical Guide for Thriving in Ambiguity. It is available on Amazon, and I know Dr. Nagler appreciates you going and picking up a copy. And now, it's time for a pep talk. July 1st has come, and July 1st has gone, and if you are new to a leadership role, you have now served your first day on the job in that role. I shared in the blog earlier this week that there are a number of different possible steps you can take to make sure you're launching yourself in the right direction in this new role. Now, you might be new to the community. You might be taking a new step in a community you've already been a part of. I've done both of those. Moving into a superintendent role, I was brand new to the community. Moving to my principal role, I moved from the assistant principal job down the hallway into the principal's office. And I will tell you, there are some things that regardless of which of these scenarios fits you, that you can do to make a difference and set yourself up for success. I'm going to tell you a couple real quick. Number one, set up your office. Get it ready to go. And when you do that, keep the door open. All right, here's the idea. People are going to want to come and see you. They're going to want to come and meet you. They're going to want to come and learn who you are. If you leave your door open while you're setting up the office, it gives you an opportunity for casual conversation. It lets people see you as a human being. It lets them see you as somebody who's approachable. And you get an opportunity to get to know them without the formal interview process. Just open the door, get your stuff set up because, well, let's be honest, you need your office set up because before you know it, it's going to get really busy. But again, It's an opportunity for you to have some of those conversations. And the second one I want to share with you is really get acquainted with folks and not necessarily the people you're thinking right off the top of of your list. All right. You're thinking, hey, I got to get to know my teachers or I got to get to know my board members or whatever the case may be. That's true. You need to do that. But think about other folks that are still working this time of year. That might be the folks in transportation. It might be the folks in nutrition services. It could be the folks in human resources or in the curriculum office. Get to know those folks. Get to know your custodians. 
those are people you're going to need to lean on. Yes, you have to get to know the people in your community. You definitely want to get to know your police chief and your sheriff and your uh, fire chief and so forth. That definitely needs to happen. But think about the people that maybe could get overlooked and start building relationships with them now. Folks, we're in the people business. We can't forget that. So start building those relationships. I hope you have an amazing, amazing month of July. Those of you who are getting rested up and recuperating from this year, soak it in, folks. Take some deep breaths. You deserve it. Those of you that are just ramping up in a new role, hit the ground running. You've got this. It's your road to awesome. Get out there and travel it. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.